Hello and welcome to the Adventures of Daniel podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Muldoon. Here on the Adventures of Daniel podcast, we talk about human-powered adventures such as cycling, flatwater paddling, camping, and hiking. We also talk about overlanding and RC. Thanks so much for joining me. On today's show, we are talking five myths about bikes. So there are a lot of things you hear about bikes, and especially if you're new to cycling, and frankly, it can be a little bit overwhelming. The cycling industry can sometimes push particular styles of bikes, uh, sometimes across genres and generations that maybe they're not applicable to. So I just wanted to go through five myths about bikes that I've learned over the many, many years of cycling and even working in a bike shop when I was a wee little tot in my middle and high school years. And the first one is you need to spend a ton of money to get something that lasts. That's not really true. If you go into bike shops today, you might be overwhelmed by the fact that there's 5,000 and maybe even $10,000 bikes in there. And while there's room for those things and there are people who need and want them, it's really not the amount of money that your average individual needs to spend to get something that's decent and will last. I think most of the time on a new bike, you can find something under a thousand that's pretty good for everyday use. And while a thousand does seem like a lot of money, there are lots of used options out there as well. Just make sure that you're getting a bike that's of name brand and good quality even if it's a little bit older and it doesn't have all the latest gizmos and gadgets, it'll still serve you really well. And a lot of bikes, frankly, end up getting put up on shelves or, or hung in the garage or whatever else, and they don't get used all that much. So just because the bike is a little bit older doesn't necessarily mean that it's been abused or that it can't be repaired or parts aren't available or whatever those things are. So you can go online to places like Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist or maybe even your local bike shop deals in used bikes and try to find something that has good quality parts and is name brand. I definitely discourage going to department stores and buying bikes from Walmarts and Targets. Even some of the big sporting goods stores have pretty poor quality bikes. Some of them are pretty good and if they're name brand bikes, you know, there's no problems, there's no difference whether you buy them at a big brand store or a local bike shop, assuming that they're the same brand. But many of the big box stores don't really have the experienced people building those bikes or able to work on them. So they put things on wrong or they size them incorrectly, they mount the bars incorrectly, lots of different things that could reduce the quality of the ride that you're getting. And you'll probably never talk to the same bike tech twice if you end up buying from one of these stores. So I think it's important. Go support your local bike shop, talk with them, and then purchase something from the local bike shop. Because these guys and gals who run these shops are there in your neighborhoods. They know the types of bikes that work well on the terrain in your area. They can service the bike that you buy from them. And many of them come with some some upgrades such as yearly servicing on the drivetrain at no extra charge. If they don't sell used bikes through your local bike shop, maybe you have a bike co-op in your area, or maybe your local bike shop knows just of people who have come through the door and, and they could connect you with someone who's looking to sell. 
So keep all those things in mind. I'm a big proponent of buying new bikes. You know where it's been. You get the warranty. All those things go with it. But if price is an obstacle for you, then it might be best to just look for more along the lines of a high-quality used bike and save yourself a little bit of money. Myth number two, gravel bikes are the best bikes. There's a lot of news articles and cycling news and probably podcasts and blogs that will pitch to you that gravel bikes are these like answer to everybody's questions when it comes to bicycles and they'll do everything better than other bikes and if you only have one bike the so-called quiver killer one bike option the gravel bike is going to be the one that you should buy and that may be the case for some people but I'm not convinced it's the case for just your average everyday recreational rider. Gravel bikes have some neat things to them. I've owned several of them. I personally love gravel bikes, but there are some things that may not work for every person. If you're not familiar with drop bars, then you're definitely not gonna be comfortable on a gravel bike. They're almost exclusively drop bars, and drop bars do give you a more aero seating position than standard flat bars or swept back bars, but they definitely also take a little bit of getting used to if you're not familiar with the riding position, how the shifting works, and how the brakes work. So keep that in mind, and don't buy a bike just because it looks neat or fast on the showroom floor. I know that sounds superficial, and it is, but you'd be surprised at how many times that ends up happening, and then the bike never gets ridden. So. Contrary to popular belief, gravel bikes are not the best bike. They may be the best bike for you in some situations, but make sure you know what those situations are before you just jump into one. Myth number three about bikes is aero and weight are the most important considerations. You hear this especially amongst the racing crowd, and for what they're doing, it probably is very high on the list of considerations because they're not really seeking comfort they're not even necessarily seeking high quality or longevity. They're seeking fast, and they're seeking arrow, and they're seeking times that they can beat and keeping up with the packs and, you know, doing these types of things. So for your average individual that isn't going out and getting KOMs on Strava, and they're not hugely concerned if they shaved a second or five seconds off their latest lap, and they're just, you know, those things aren't the most important things in the cyclist's world, then arrow and weight really are not that important. Once you get the bike going, you almost don't feel the weight under you at all. Now, if you're slugging it up hills or you're single track riding, those types of things, you're going to feel the weight more. But if you're just riding bike paths around your neighborhood or with your kids or your spouse, and you're not an aggressive rider, and you're not seeking to time trial or do these types of things, don't get caught up in the aero positioning or the weight of the bike. You're not going to know the difference between 21 and 24 pounds when you get on it anyways. Frankly, even 20 pounds and 30 pounds, once you start pedaling, you're probably not going to notice the difference. And weight is super expensive in the cycling world. If you want a very light bike made of carbon fiber, titanium, sort of these space-age materials, you're going to pay buco bucks for it. And then they're just, I don't know, difficult because they're not really versatile in a lot of situations and and they're not built for longevity carbon fiber can diminish in sunlight it can crack easily 
There's better materials if you want just a super long-lasting, bomb-proof bike that you can toss in the back of your truck, hang from the ceiling, you know, put on the top of your car, leave in the weather a little bit. I know there's people out there that are like, I'd never leave my bike in the rain or snow, and that's fine. But for me, I go do things outside a lot, and I have a bike off the back of my car a lot, and it goes through snow, and it goes through sleet, and it goes through rain. And it goes through mud and I got to wash them and all the things that go along with that. But that's because for me, a bike is a utensil and a tool to obviously exercise and freedom, but to explore places. And I don't really want something that's just finicky and, you know, it's like a super high-end sports car where everything is expensive. And if you need to chew the wheel or you break a spoke or, you know, whatever, you lean it against a wall and all of a sudden you've got chipped carbon fiber or chipped paint job. It's just not that important. So don't get too caught up in arrow and weight. I mean, honestly, if you want the ride to feel 10 pounds lighter, almost every one of us would probably be better just losing the 10 pounds on our body than the 10 extra pounds on the bike. And, you know, I think that will come along with your riding your bike. The, the weight loss will come. So going into myth number four, you hear this often, that one-by drivetrains are the best. And one by just means that there's basically one sprocket or one cog up front that your chain rests on. And then the gears are on your rear cassette. And you'll hear like a 1x10, 1x11, 1x12. That means you have a 10 or 11 or a 12 speed bike. And if you recall back in like the 80s and 90s, it was like more gears was better. So you'd have a 3x7, 21 gears, or a 3x8, or even a 3x9 with 27 gears. And as the technology progressed and we realized that even though you have 27 gears, lots of the ratios are overlapping, you don't really need 27 individual gears because you probably only have 12 or 14 individual gear ratios. So the cycling industry um, started coming out with one-by drivetrains, getting rid of the additional front sprockets on the front and consolidating into uh, more rings on the back cassette which is great, don't get me wrong, I love my one-by drivetrains as much as anybody else, but you gotta remember that like with that uh, additional cassettes in the back, your chain has to be very, very narrow, and the, the cogs themselves are very close to each other, so the tolerances are very slim. If you get dirt or dust or your derailleur gets out of calibration, any of those things, you'll start having lots of problems with your uh, drivetrain. And that's super frustrating because then it's in the bike shop all the time and you know maybe a week and if you don't know how to work on the derailleur, it can get expensive or you need to learn to work on the derailleur and then the chains wear out because they're just thinner and it leads to a bunch of complicated problems. So I'm a fan of simplicity and I like having less cables on my bike and less shifters, but I can tell you that 3x7 drivetrains, 3x8 drivetrains, 2x9 drivetrains are flipping bulletproof. The chains are thick and heavy duty. They chew up grit and mud better than these 11 and 12 speed drivetrains. So just know that as you're looking at bikes, you don't need to get caught up on having the best drivetrain, which a lot of people would claim is a 1x drivetrain, or even the best model within a brand so shimano and sram who are sort of the heavy hitters in the components market right now have lots of different component levels from entry level to race level and while 
their race level stuff is clearly better in some regards. It's lighter, it's more crisp maybe. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to last longer. And a lot of their entry level stuff is built specifically to last, knowing that they're going to be selling to a rider who probably doesn't have the ability to work on their bike as much as somebody who's a lot more experienced. So don't be shy with other drivetrains like two-by drivetrains or even three-by drivetrains. I know that sounds weird um, for the cycling industry these days, but it's true. You know, we rode bikes with 21, 24, and 27 gears for years, and it works fine. I mean, you save some weight if you go to one by, but you give up some other things as well. So just know that if you could save some money and get something that's not a one-by drivetrain, it's probably just fine. And then myth number five, disc brakes are a must. Almost every bike today is disc brake that costs any money. And while I am a proponent of disc brakes and I have them on several of my bikes, I also have several bikes still that are just rim brakes. And if you think about it, rim brakes are basically just a big disc brake. It has a caliper, which is your brake itself, like the shoes, and then the disc, which is your rim. So linear pull brakes, which is sort of the latest rendition of rim brakes before we switched over to disc brakes, are very powerful. They're also referred to as like V-brakes in some situations, and they'll work just fine. If you're out and about your neighborhood, you know, any of those types of things, these brakes will stop without a problem. Um, now, if you're bombing downhills at 50 miles an hour, you're probably going to want disc brakes, or if you're super muddy, disc brakes will stay cleaner longer. They'll experience less brake fade in some situations. But if you get good linear pull brakes or V-brakes and you put good pads on it, they'll last you. They're tried and true. They're super inexpensive. You can buy replacement parts for them virtually anywhere. They've been made in production you know, for years and years and years, and they're not super specific to mounting like disc brakes. If you've got you know, post mount or flat mount or you know, is your caliper this or your caliper that? Do you have mechanical or do you have hydraulic? There's just lots of different things to consider with disc brakes that really don't come into the question with linear pull brakes. And as far as I'm concerned, if the tire is locked up, that's basically the most braking power you can experience. So your linear pull rim brakes will do that very easily. Now, in some bikes, you will have to have disc brakes. If you're looking for something like, like a fat bike, the rims are so wide that you can't really have a rim brake on it. So disc brakes have expanded the bike industry to allow a lot of really unique wheel and tire combinations that could not have been done with the rim brake. So I'm a proponent of discs, have them on lots of bikes, and I love them, and that's all fine and dandy. But just know, that it's not the only option and you don't have to get disc brakes. Don't be concerned again about buying maybe a used bike or an older bike or something like that that has rim brakes instead of pitching for a new bike just to get disc brakes. Because the disc brakes are much more difficult to adjust for your average person. They're much more difficult to replace. Many of them are hydraulic, so servicing them is much more difficult. And I'm just a big proponent of simple. And rim brakes are simple. Um, Two-by and three-by drivetrains are simple. Chains are everywhere. You don't have to wait for something specific. Upright bikes made out of aluminum or made out of even steel, 
that's simple. You know, it's not carbon. It's not all this extra expense that doesn't benefit the average Joe. So there's five myths about bikes. I really hope that um, that helps you in your next shopping trip and you're out there if you're replacing one in your garage or you're looking to upgrade or you're just getting into bikes now and you don't know a whole lot about them and maybe you've been out of the cycling scene for a while and things have changed and bikes look different and tires are bigger and wider and brakes are you know discs instead of rim brakes and all these different things that there are a lot of myths out there and here's five of them so thanks a bunch for tuning in this evening i truly appreciate your time if you're ever interested in coming on the show I'd love for you to email me, daniel at adventureswithdaniel.com. We can shoot the breeze about um, some bicycling or hiking, overlanding, flat water paddling, camping, um, RC, you know, just fun stuff that gets people out outside, outdoor recreation-based activities. Uh, check out my website, uh, www.adventureswithdaniel.com. I'm on YouTube at Adventures with Daniel, and then also Facebook, which is Adventure with Daniel, without the S. It's a little confusing on Facebook. Um, but yeah, meet me over there, check everything out, reach out to me. What are some myths that you hear about bikes that um, you want to pass along to the listeners or uh, maybe to your friends or family if they come ask you about bikes? What do you tell them? I'm always interested in listening and hearing other perspectives, so I'd love for you to... Um, reach out and contact me through email or the socials. Thanks again. Really appreciate your time, and we'll be seeing you on the next one. Until then, adventure on.